Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, going well, Winnow. Good to be here in, in Melbourne and not up in northern New South Wales <laughs> yeah. or southern Queensland or Ukraine or any of these uh, places. <laughs> yeah, there's some real adversity at the moment. Yeah, no, well, I'd rather be in uh, in Queensland than Ukraine, just quietly. But uh, no, it's it's there's a bit going on on the planet. It's fair to say, Ben. Yeah, there is. So no, we've, yeah, apart from the uh, very thick humidity, which doesn't resonate entirely well with a nearly hundred kilo man like myself. Um, <laughs> other than that, we're looking for a nice cool change later in the week to freshen things up before. No doubt, and uh, it's good to see, Caddy, the Gorillas, your fantasy team, just, just coming to, into their own at the business end of the season. Some very crafty moves on the on the waiver wire, Caddy, have just bolstered your team and maybe a force to be reckoned with come playoff time. Well, as we said last week, you just got to be in it to win it, and then all of a sudden, of you know, the number one ranked team over that two-week All-Star round, and yeah, it really instilled a bit of confidence into into the group. Um Clearly led by Demar Derozan, and the locker rooms are uh, buoyant, is it, Caddy? Well, supported ably by Giannis, and now we're getting some, you know, SGA back in the fold, and he's come out absolutely swinging these first three games back, which has been incredibly pleasing to see. And yeah, we, we've added some pieces who we think now can become um, either you know significant trade trip, uh, trade chips or uh, rotation players in you know, Al Horford and Cam Johnson and these types. So now I think we're reasonably well positioned to avoid you know a really dangerous first round matchup, which is. Um, what we're trying to trying to get done by the end of the season. Oh, no doubt, Caddy. You're looking very, very dangerous, as I said. And another team, Caddy, that's added some big pieces and uh, perhaps looking dangerous are the Philadelphia 76ers. And we, and we finally saw the the much-awaited debut of, of James Harden. And it's fair to say, Caddy, it's been pretty successful so far. A couple of pretty comfortable victories over the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks. Harden, in his first two games, has averaged 28, 9 and 14 shooting 57-57-94 splits. Um, and it's not just, obviously, the, the work of James Harden that's been very good. Embiid's had a 34-10 and 10 and 37-10. and 10. Tyrese Maxey, caddy, who the power in the key were, uh, he's in my fantasy team. So I was a little bit worried about perhaps his uh, output coming right down, but he's had 28 and 21 points. So it's obviously come together really well so far. In fact, in, in that first game, uh, James Harden had it. That was his best plus minus since November 30, 2019, when he was still a member of the Houston Rockets. So what have you seen so far uh, out, of, out of the, firstly, the pairing of uh, Harden and Bede Caddy? Has it come together probably even a little bit quicker than, than what you would have expected? Um, certainly in terms of James Harden's fitness, I think that's, that was probably the uh, real query going yeah. into it, what type of shape he was going to be in because we didn't see him for the best part of the last two or three weeks in his uh, Brooklyn tenure. And even when mm. he initially got traded prior to the All-Star break, we didn't see him play in any of those uh, last four or five games that he could have played for Philly. So, um, no, I think that's been the surprise, the fact that he's, he's fit and healthy, playing you know, big minutes, 35 minutes, 39 minutes in his first two games. So I think... Can you, you explain know, to we, me, Caddy, how a man can lose 15 to 20 pounds in a matter of weeks? I, um, I think you need to get James Harden's number and perhaps have a chat <laughs> to him, Caddy. Well, if he, I'd like to know his recipe because, yeah, he, he was certainly clearly out of shape for the entire entire start of this season. He, he Not only was he looking reasonably disinterested in his situation there in Brooklyn, but he, he just, yeah, physically didn't look entirely great the whole way through and came into camp and, and the uh, start of the season out of shape. and. 
Yeah, I don't know what he's done in the couple of weeks he had off and then over the All-Star break, but he, yeah, he, he looks a different man in a different uniform. And um, Yeah, it started really, really well. You rattled off the numbers numbers there, and I think Philly would be certainly uh, really excited about the way that so far he's been able to link in with Joel Embiid. Clearly the biggest um, or the most important factor of all that is to is to see how these two guys are going to fit together and, and, and really still make it Joel's team because that's what this thing's been built around. And if uh, Harden can come in and compliment him at the level that he's, he's shown in these first two games, then you know, they, they clearly are have elevated themselves right into the top echelon of teams in the NBA. Oh, they certainly have. I mean, it, I think it was five or six assists that Harden handed out to Embiid in the first game and then, and then another three or four in the second game. So, yeah, but as you said, he's it, it's incredible. I don't know if it's the jersey or what's going on, but it's amazing how much in shape he does look compared to what he did uh, in, in, in his Brooklyn days. We've seen him. He's even sort of pushing the pace at times. He's got his step-back three going. He's got the whole sort of kit going, and there was – I think it was four points he scored in his last game with Brooklyn, so he was clearly mailing it in by by the end of his tenure at Brooklyn, which we also saw him uh, do in his at the end of his tenure at Houston. So he's starting to get a bit of a, a bad rap sheet as, as far as that goes when he wants to force his way out. He can certainly just go through the motions. But I think, Caddy, we'll probably get a, a better idea over the next few games. They've got New York on Thursday our time, but after that they've got Cleveland at Miami, Chicago Bulls and the Brooklyn Nets with potentially Kevin Durant back in action, still minus. Obviously, you, you can't imagine uh, Ben Simmons is going to be playing in that caddy. I think I'm probably a bigger chance of uh, playing for the Brooklyn Nets in the game against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. But how, how do you think they're going to go over that, particularly that sort of four-game stretch there? We're going to pretty kind of going to get a pretty good idea of where they sit in the hierarchy in the Eastern Conference. What, what do you think would be sort of a good split out of those four games? No, look, I think at this stage, you know, they've really elevated themselves. Um, you know, they're now third in the East. So I think if they could split those and, and go, I think we mentioned four games here. If they go 2-2 two, two, while they're still, you know, getting this system in with these two players, I think that would be absolutely fine. They don't need to win the title in the next one or two weeks. They, they just need to continue to get some repetitions into into Harden with Embiid and, and figure out what the rotation looks like behind that. And, um, from what we've seen so far and the, the numbers, you know, he, he's dished out 12 assists and 16 assists in his first two games here and basically averaging a 30-point triple-double in, in, in both games. So it's, it's quite incredible the way that things have turned around in, in terms of his form and, and and the options that now gives Philadelphia with their, their lineups and, you know, less reliance on a few of their fringe players to have such a... And out now, you know, superstar back playing at a superstar level, albeit in these in these early games. Because when we saw that trade happen and, and everyone was dissecting it, you know, within a life of itself, it was really the biggest factor was the fact that Simmons hadn't been even playing on this team. And and I think the the point we both made was that really it was in the end it was Curry and Drummond for Harden in terms of a, a, yep. a replacement um, into what we'd seen from an already pretty pretty good Philadelphia lineup with um, Embiid having an MVP type. Season, so if, if 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 what we're seeing in these initial couple of games is, is going to be effectively part of the course, then you know it, it certainly makes things really really interesting around Philadelphia and in terms of their ability to, to not only win the East but well or get through the East and then become a championship level team because the the Eastern Conference, as, as we've seen, it, it's, it's so tight and so um, so interesting to watch at the moment. There's probably the, the seven teams I think that that fancy themselves to at least progress into those second second round of the East. You've got Miami, Chicago, Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston, and probably Brooklyn. 
uh, not um, apologies to all our fans up in Toronto. But I, I think they're you know those seven teams will all have claims to think that they could probably win at least a series and maybe two series in in this Eastern Conference. So it's a, a really fascinating watch, and it's going to the the way that the trade period and the All Star game seems to be a bit later in the season this year. There's only twenty really twenty games left for most of these teams uh, down the stretch here, so there's not a lot of time to to figure things out to how they look, and then they're going to be straight into you know really lengthy. I think playoff series that could go I think the best part of seven games all the way from the first round. We're going to get some really interesting matchups, and and Philadelphia have now got a, an MVP caliber player potentially playing at the MVP level puts them at a you know probably at at a, the greatest advantage of anyone. Oh, it certainly does, and and you you touched on it there. Like how how interesting is this is this first round playoff series going to be in the East? It's going to be a number of disappointing teams that have had really good seasons bowing out in the first round. So, yeah, usually you get some some real stinkers in, in that first round. You know, even a you know a one versus Atlanta could be a team you're playing in, in that first round if you're if you're one of the top seeds and same with Brooklyn. And so, yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. They're obviously still in this honeymoon phase at the moment. And it's like when you start that relationship, Caddy, you're trying to show – your new partner, all your best traits. So we'll see how long Harden keeps up this. This, if it's a charade for, uh, yeah, how long he's going to be able to keep it up for. We did see today that De- DeAndre Jordan was bought out by the Lakers, and there's there's a rumor that uh, you know a strong rumor that he could potentially be joining the 76ers as a, as that backup to Embiid. They obviously lost Drummond in that trade, so Jordan's obviously struggled. But maybe you can give him sort of ten minutes and and sort of contribute in that area. And the big watch for me is. Is how Tobias Harris is going to fit in into this new sort of makeup that that they're rolling with at the moment. He's only had twelve and six points in his first two games. Shot attempts are down from fifteen to nine from what we've seen, you know, for the rest of the season. So it's going to be a big adjustment for a lot of players. But I think Tobias Harris could be the one that takes the biggest hit in that respect. What we're going to do now, Caddy, for the rest of the show is play. The NBA stock market, which we haven't done, I don't think we've done it this year. We did it last season at at uh, one stage. So what I'm going to say, I'm going to come out with some statements and you just need to decide, Caddy, whether you want to buy, hold or sell that statement. So the first one I'm going to kick it off with, Caddy, is Tom Thibodeau will not be coaching the Knicks next season. Would you like to buy, hold or sell that statement? No, that's a buy for me. I think uh, the Thibs ship might have sailed out of New York. You know, it is clearly a... A guy that coaches a very certain way and and, and it attracts certain players to, to buy in, and I think the older Thibs gets and the and the younger players that are coming in to the league get, uh, there's a bigger gap taking place in terms of just their ability to, to buy in and, and and really deal with that type of coaching. and And I think you know we saw last year uh, the Knicks did buy into it, and you know they're one of the the best defensive teams in the league. Surprisingly, uh, most of the way through. Had a really competitive playoff series against Atlanta, which which was awesome to see. Uh, the fact that New York were back being a relevant team, but yeah, this year's been a disaster for them. And and really, they not only have they shown no improvement, they've gone regressed back the other way. And and now big question marks around, you know, their star players like Julius Randle, who was so you know highly hyped last year, and rightfully so. He had a, he had a terrific season, but um, you know things have gone really pear shaped there for. For Julius Randle and you know Kem- the Campbell Walker move just hasn't worked. They, they've now decided to sit him, really, or, or send him away from the team for the rest of the year, which is a, which is another real shame. The Evan Fournier acquisition hasn't worked. Eric Rose has been injured, 
it's been a disaster for New York and, and with Thibodeau being you know such a hard defensive minded coach that for them to slip so far as they have you know they're, they're really not even a consideration for the play-in tournament now they're four and a half games out of the 10th seed um, so I think the expiry or the shelf expiry for a guy like Thibodeau will be pretty swift here I think they'll make the move um, if not before the end of the season certainly in the off season and, and they'll need some fresh blood into New York and um, it was worth worth a try they they you know, to their credit, they, they brought in a really reputable coach. Um, they've made a lot of poor coaching decisions in the in the past, and the new ownership and, and management brought brought uh, Thibs in, and and it, you know it, it looked great last year, and it just hasn't translated again this year. And it, it's been no um, result of injuries or you know team being decimated or anything like that. They they've just clearly tied really really quickly from from the voice, and yeah, I just can't see them going to the well again within next year. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. So I'll buy that statement of well as well. You touched on the the, the defense slipping. They were they were ranked third in the NBA last year in defensive rating. They're now down at fifteenth. And as we know, Tom Thibodeau's got a strong reputation for being a very good defensive coach, but hasn't been able to to get his team to buy into his defensive concepts, or they haven't been sort of good enough to be able to you know do what, what he's after. So. Yeah, as you said, 12th in the East, Julius Randle has fallen in a hole. And it's I guess the biggest thing with Tom Thibodeau is he's got this this long history and this reputation of playing, you know, the same guys, really heavy minutes and not really developing young players, even though we saw in his time in Chicago he was able to develop Jimmy Butler, but that did take a couple of seasons until Butler earned his trust. But you'd like to see more more minutes into a Toppen, a Grimes, a, a Quigley. You know, we saw them trade for a for Cam Reddish uh, before the trade deadline. He's barely getting on the court, only averaging the 12 minutes a game. So it's, I think it's time they probably need to realise they're not they're not going to make the play-in or the playoffs. They might, you said that they're probably going to make the play-in. That certainly looks the case as well. And, and let's start playing some of these young guys. See what you've got. Uh, you know, we saw RJ Barrett have a, I think it was a career-high game against Miami just recently. So, you know, you'd like to see him finish the year really strongly. He's probably plateaued just a little bit. So, yeah, there's certainly there's certainly a lot of questions to be to be asked of the New York Knicks in the offseason. And I think it, it definitely starts at the top. And I'd be I'd be really surprised if Tom Thibodeau was the coach going into next season. We did see a, a similar sort of pattern when he went to Minnesota. He had the he had the impact straight away. They broke their long playoff drought and made the playoffs in his first year but then he was he was out the door pretty quickly after that so I think it's going to follow suit and it's going to be really interesting if that does happen whether he gets another job or whether he's branded one of these coaches that you can't sort of get get in for a long period of time but you know, the NBA is a bit strange in that respect they, they keep sort of recycling through the same coaches without giving some of these younger guys a go so we could see the end of Tom Thibodeau he, he did he he won coach of the year last year didn't he in, in the end I think uh, can't remember. He's definitely a finalist and, and yeah. big consideration. Monty Williams not, and him, I think, were the two. Yeah, 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 and, and well deserved too. Because oh yeah, yeah, the, the change that he brought, and, and this is the the sad thing in a sense that if they haven't been able to replicate anything that they did last year, uh, the New York Knicks, and and they're a bit stuck again now because you know they continue to be freeing up uh, cap space for the last few years to try and you know land that big free agent fish, and they you know they did it really well with short term one or two year contracts. For the most part, but then because of the season, the guy like Randall had, they ended up extending him, and you know he's on the books now for for high twenties into the low thirties for the next uh, four seasons. Evan Fournier is a guy that they signed to big money. Derek Rose, another one. So yeah, they're kind of sort of stuck again with not a huge amount of cap space with 
with a team that really doesn't have a, a, a lot of room to grow. So, you know, unless, you know, they get that natural development out of those younger players that you mentioned who, who with Thibodeau aren't getting the opportunity quickly grind, um, playing as many minutes as, as you'd like. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting watch again in this off-season with New York. And, and, you know, there's a lot of players that always get linked there because of the big city. And, and until one of them actually bites the bullet and goes there, yeah, they're, they're an interesting team for sure and, and probably one that, uh, as in, of, of many teams, that will be watching really closely to how they regenerate um, what was a playoff-level team last year and now clearly is a, a below-par um, organisation once again. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a number of years. Carmelo's probably the last sort of star that, that committed to go there, along with with Amari Stoudemire. So, yeah, let's see what the Knicks can conjure up in the off season, Caddy. The the next one we'll move on to now is the Lakers should trade either Anthony Davis or LeBron James in the off season, Caddy. Would you like to buy, hold, or sell that statement? I'll just hold that one. I I think. I mean, like the. In terms of the storyline, it'd be great to see um, one of these guys get get traded. They're both under contract. If we had a reasonable you know. amount of news if either AD or LeBron got shipped off by the Lakers, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be huge. It'd be a massive story. But uh, look, at the end of the day, they're both under contract. Um, LeBron through to the end of next year. LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis has got a longer contract that runs through uh, officially to the end of 23-24 than the player option after that. So... Look, it'd have to take a, a big change of events, really, to, to get one of these guys to, to force a trade out of there. Um, there was a report I saw today, I don't know how, how good the source was, but basically saying that the only team Anthony Davis would force a trade out of would be to go to Chicago, which is um, oh, really? his home, yeah. which is his home hometown. So, but again, look, what if Chicago you're, got You're probably to, pretty happy with that, were you? Well, I, I kind of like the way that the Bulls have sort of organically gone around, you know, rebuilding this, this franchise. Prefer the big Vooch's work in the paint as opposed to AD do? No. Look, what what do you have to give up to get him? Yeah, so a lot. You, you, yeah, a lot. You'd, yeah. Have to, you'd have to basically send any young play with any any future, which you, you're talking Patrick Williams, Kobe White, they'd have to be in the trade. And then you've got a match salary, so you're going to have to be sending back probably a Vucevic or, um, you know, a Zach Levine potentially to, yeah. to just even to make it make it work. So you, you're gutting the roster um, for a guy that, you know, we, we think's a top 10 player in the competition and and showed in the in the bubble in the playoffs when they won the title that he that he was. And, and since then, really, he's been hot and cold on and off the court, um, just can't get any consistency in his game that, the, you know, the pairing with LeBron since since that championship run really hasn't worked because, you know, either one or both have, have been hurt. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't see a trade necessarily happening for either of those players before the end of the contract. I mean, LeBron certainly made a splash at All-Star Weekend around, you know, what his future may or may not look like uh, following his contract in LA. But, you know, that's, that's still got to get through to the end of next year. I think the bigger question is probably what happens with Russell Westbrook we know he's got the player option for next year at forty-seven million dollars, which I think yeah, you we reckon probably, he might <laughs> pick that one up. Kind of probably pick that up. So they're they're pretty hamstrung, as we know. That they've got these four, three guys under significant contract into next year. Um, no, no real short-term draft assets to 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 trade. So if you know, look, I'll ask you. You, you know the LeBron James story. Almost as good as Brian Windhurst, uh, <laughs> our man from ESPN. You've been following him around um, as, as long as Brian has. But what you know, if LeBron James got to the end of the season and, and wanted to force a trade, what, what would be the the payback to the Lakers? Like, what sort of trade would make 
any sense for a team to a take LeBron in at that age and you know yeah. clearly still playing at a really high level. But what would the Lakers be looking for to come back? Well, you'd imagine they're probably going to want to replenish a lot of these draft picks that they gave up to, to get Anthony Davis. They obviously sold the farm to the Pelicans to get them. So, I mean, that that's the problem. There's no point in them having sort of down years over the next couple of years because they don't sort of own any of their picks apart from this 2027 20, first rounder. So you'd imagine it would almost be not a full reset, but they'd be looking for some draft picks and some pretty good young players, and then they'd have to make Anthony Davis the the player that they're going to build their roster around. And as you've mentioned, that's sort of that that's fraught with danger because he, he clearly hasn't got the capabilities for whatever reason, whether it's something in, you know, some intestinal fortitude or it's just his body doesn't hold up. He, he's not sort of capable of, of playing 82 games or, or even 70 games. It, it would appear at a really high level. So it would be, it would be a massive call to to trade LeBron, and you know, obviously he he nominated the Lakers to go there. They they'd been struggling since Kobe left, and he was sort of the one that turned them around. So I couldn't really see them looking to move on from LeBron. There was the report, uh, I think, towards the end of last week that his his agent Rich Paul met up with Jeannie Buss and. Kurt Rambis is apparently pulling a lot of strings for whatever bloody reason. Nobody knows, given his checkered history as a coach. But, uh, yeah, and, and just sort of reiterating that, you know, LeBron isn't looking to to, to get out of LA at the La- uh, to get out of the Lakers at the moment and he wants to finish his career with the Lakers. So I, I would hold that statement. I don't think they would look to move those two, but if they wanted to make drastic changes, that's really the only way they could go about it. So you'd probably look at an at an Anthony Davis and, you know, you've brought up Chicago as the only team that he sort of really would be happy to go to. Not that he's got a choice if they trade him, but, yeah, as you said, that they would have to give up all, all their young pieces of Williams, a Kobe White, an A.O. Deshumu and, and whatever draft picks they could get. So I think, I think the most logical path for the Lakers is, you know, right out the rest of the season, they had a horrendous loss yesterday against the Pelicans where I don't know if you saw the vision of of the players on the bench chirping to the crowd. Westbrook was doing it. LeBron was doing it during the game. So they're, they're clearly rattled at the moment. Um, they're down now at 27 and, and 33. They're, they're not really in any danger of falling out of that playing tournament, you wouldn't think, because Portland have put Nurkic on the shelf and they're probably going to drop back. But, yeah, I think in the offseason they're going to look – they've got Westbrook, they, they would then be able to – to trade the 2029 20, draft pick as well. So they've got the two first rounders and maybe they try and do something there and reset for next year. But yeah, I I don't think that they would look to move on from either one of these. Although, as you said, it would be certainly be a massive story if, if the Lakers pulled the, pulled the trigger on, on either and, one of those. And let's not forget that Luol Ding actually comes off their books. Moskov's not still on there, is he? <laughs> no, he, he's not. But I, I was looking before it. Um, uh, one of the teams before Jacob Noah is still uh, getting paid by the New York Knicks as well. So there's some, yeah, pretty, I think uh, Josh Smith is getting paid by somebody as well. I, I remember hearing recently. <laughs> Detroit, Detroit, maybe. Yeah, Detroit or Houston probably would have been yeah, yeah. picking up some salary, salary there. But uh, yeah, unbelievable. So you've got this is going back to the 2016 um, crazy off season that was when um, yeah guys like Lowell and Timothy Mozgov got massive massive deals. Yeah. Yeah, still getting, still getting the the sheets, um, and you know, then they're again like outside of effectively Westbrook, James Davis, and Horton Tucker, they they pretty much have a clean clean sheet after that because all these minimum contract guys, Carmelo, yeah. Ariza, Avery Bradley, Wellington, Dwight Howard, Jordan, you mentioned already gone, 
Bazemore, Malik Monk, all on minimums. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be somewhere else uh, next year as well. So, yeah, it'll be a whole new team again. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you, it's a front office guy for the Lakers. I mean, I just don't know how much fun this uh, team building exercise is going to be. I mean, you, you clearly put all the chips in with to get guys like Davis and LeBron and, and, and have won a championship. So you, you can't knock it. You know, if they, if they hadn't won, yeah, there'd be serious questions about it. But, you know, year in, year out, you just got to go, go and find these another eight uh, effectively minimum guys to yeah. play out the roster. It's just crazy. Yeah, and it obviously hasn't worked this year. We, we mentioned it when we were doing sort of the over and unders podcast. I said there's only three guys, I think, from, from the team last year. It's just it's really difficult to, to get effectively 12 new guys in every year and expect it to sort of be cohesive. So, now a big off-season uh, for, for the two big the two big teams in the NBA, both the Knicks and the Lakers, coming up uh, this off-season. The next one I've got for you, Caddy, is the Golden State Warriors are not a serious contender without a fully healthy Draymond Green. So we've seen Draymond hasn't played since early January. There was a report this week that he is due back. I think he started some to do some five-on-five five or three-on-three three sort of contact stuff at practice recently. But, uh, yeah, Caddy, do you think the Golden State Warriors can be a serious contender without Draymond Green? Uh, no, no, I don't think they can. So what does that mean? That means I'm selling yeah, that yeah, comment. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think he's so so important to them. He, you know, he's not a sexy fantasy player or a box score guy, um, although he does a little bit of everything. He's just not in the bright lights in terms of, you know, um, what you see when you, you pick up, you know, not, not the newspaper anymore, but when you look at the box scores on the internet, it, it just doesn't jump off the page. But what he does for them in terms of, obviously, defense first and foremost, but allows them to play small with him at the five, Without him, it's just a totally different team and a totally different look uh, for them. And and that's a real credit to, to Draymond Green because I think you know he, he was probably the ugly duckling a little bit through those um you know the halcyon days with Curry and Thompson and Durant and you know even Andrew Bogut and, and others that um, Draymond was sort of doing all the grunt dirty work and um, you know a few other flashy players. You know around him getting a lot of the credit, but you know he's so important to what they did at the start of the season. Um, particularly without Clay Thompson being there, and, and that's when they did look like that perhaps they were going to be a championship level team again. And and you know their, their record's still really sound; they're just not winning at the same rate that they were. But I think without him, with with other teams, and you look at you know it's not even so much in the West, but you know if they go a match up against Denver, like I mean I just don't see how you know defensively they're going to be able to stop you know Jokic and Aaron Gordon and these type of guys without a, a significant you know, big defensive minor player out there. And, and I just can't see how they'd get past Phoenix at all um, without him because, you know, we, what we've seen from Phoenix has been so impressive. They're so versatile. Um, they've got so many ways to score. Um, they've got the 3 and D guys, you know, coming out their ears, really, and plus a, a significant big man in the paint as well with, with Andre Ayton. So I think, you know, if you, even if you're just looking primarily from a Western Conference matchup point of view, if they're lucky enough to get there, Phoenix versus Golden State, I think it'd be a pretty swift and and um, and quick series win for Phoenix because without Draymond Green, I just they just wouldn't have any chance to stand up defensively. So yeah, I I can't see them getting out of the, the West initially, and then even if they did, if they were coming up against a Philadelphia or a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn without Draymond Green, see you later, curtain. So hopefully he gets back and, and he can be um, a significant part of their playoff push. Yeah, I, I totally agree. that They not only need him back, but they need him fully healthy. So we, we've probably seen the last two seasons 
whether that's just been pure motivation or, or whether he was carrying an injury. But because of his lack of size, he needs to be 100% healthy because he, he obviously reads the game really well, but he's, he's without being an absolute elite athlete, he, he, he certainly needs to be at 100% sort of capacity. So we, it's always a bit worrying when you get a player out with a back-related a back related calf injury somehow, but he's got, obviously got some issues with his back and given, as I said, he was been out since early January, it's nothing to sort of sneeze out. Now, maybe they're just being ultra-cautious with him given that they're sitting second in the West at the moment and probably not going to, well, definitely not going to drop out of that that top three. But I think we've seen how important Draymond Green is to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Warriors. Their, their record since he's been out has been nowhere near what they're producing earlier on in the season. We even saw yesterday when the, when the Mavericks came back from, I think, 20 down, at the start of the last quarter, that was that they allowed thirty three points in the last quarter to the Mavericks and only scored thirteen. So, it's not just defensively that that he's very important, but also offensively, he's sort of he's the guy that initiates a lot of the offense. It allows Curry to sort of take a bit of a backseat and not exert as much influence. And we've seen Curry's numbers drop off as well in the absence of Draymond Green. So it's going to be really good to get Draymond back out on the court. I don't he hasn't even played with Clay Thompson. I don't think as yet. We saw him play. For that first, just, uh, just around thirty seconds. Yeah, before he checked himself out of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It was sort of agreed upon that. Uh, I can't remember who they played in that first game back, but they would let they would let him start, and then he'd go straight to the bench. So we haven't even seen uh, the big three play together as yet. So it's really exciting prospect to to get those guys back out on the court together. But they, they certainly need Draymond Green at one hundred percent healthy to to get over a Phoenix, as you said. That they're they're certainly the team to beat at the moment. So yeah, good luck. Good luck to Draymond Green. I hope he gets back out on the court and and Golden State Warriors when when he's up and going and and, Cur- and Curry and Thompson are firing at all cylinders are certainly a, a very very enjoyable team. Just just on Clay Thompson, do you, how have you found his return and is there is there more left in him before the playoffs to to elevate um, and, and make them an even better team than we saw uh, the year? Have you been a little bit? You know, I suppose, let, not even let down, but a bit meh in terms of what he's brought to the table at this stage. Oh, look, it's it's probably not sort of unexpected that, look, you couldn't expect that after essentially two years out of a basketball, he was going to come out and pick up where he left off. So he's still shooting 38% from three at, you know, almost eight attempts a game. So he's he's giving them certainly the floor spacing that they that they do require. But it's it's obviously he's just still trying to round himself, you know, add into form. He's, he's probably not quite at the level he was defensively as well. He was one of the, the better wing defenders and certainly took the, the best guard matchup every night, which allowed you know, Curry to sort of not coast on that end, but certainly relax a little bit. So he's still going to be a very important player, obviously, going uh, going forward for them for, for the remainder of the season. But you wouldn't imagine it's until next season that you're going to get, you know, the best out of Clay Thompson. But certainly whatever he brings to the table for the remainder of the season is going to be better than, you know, obviously not having him out on the court. Or or you you put it this way, you, you'd prefer to be relying on on uh, Clay Thompson at whatever capacity he's going to give you now for the remainder of the season, whether that's 70%, 80% of, of his normal volume, as opposed to relying on a, like a Jordan Poole in, in a playoff setting. You know, Thompson's been there a number of times. He's had, had massive, massive games in playoffs. He, he's not afraid of the of the bright lights, and Jordan Poole sort of carries himself like a player who wouldn't be, but until you see them actually produce in the playoffs, you, you'd certainly prefer to have Clay Thompson out there at whatever capacity he's giving them now as opposed to a, another player. So, yeah, look, as I said, 
certainly not at the level that he has been in the past, but I, I don't think you could expect too much more out of Clay Thompson as to what he's produced so far. The next one, Caddy, is, and you touched on them when you spoke about the Golden State Warriors, Denver Nuggets are the biggest sleeper in the West. We, we, there's some reports coming out now that, that both Murray and Porter could be due back potentially even in March at some time. So, Caddy, do you buy or sell that statement that the Denver Nuggets are the biggest sleeper in the West? Oh, can I hold it? You, you can hold I'll hold. give you the option hold. You can hold, Caddy. Yeah, I, I still think that until we get some really definitive clarification around timelines uh, for both those players that you mentioned, Porter Jr., I know we've seen has been cleared for on-court contact and, and hoping to return this month. Um, I haven't seen anything more as definitive around Jamal Murray in terms of a timetable for his return. Yeah. Um, I think they said potentially before the end of the season, which, yeah, would either be late March or early April, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's probably getting a bit loose for, for me. I, I, look, what are they now? They're, they're six in the West. They're on a six-game winning streak. You know, they're three and a half games inside Minnesota in terms of a play-in. So I think it's probably fair to say that we'd expect them to, to maintain a spot in the top six. You know, if the matchups stay as they are, they've got a first round matchup against Memphis. Would 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 you put them as favourites for that? Probably not. I think the way Memphis are playing consistently through this season, I'd, I'd still have Memphis. John Morant Denver. just going bananas too. We've going absolutely yeah. crazy. Fifty-two and, was it today? Yeah, and forty-six the other day against my Chicago Bulls. So, look, I, I think unless Denver can can get Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back playing this season, then I still think it's a bit of a write-off for them. Could they cause an upset in the first round if it is a Memphis or a Utah or a Dallas? Potentially, yep, no doubt. Would they then progress any further? Probably not for me. So, look, I I think they've done a bloody incredible job. All credit to Mike Malone and his um, coaching staff. They've got pretty much as much as they possibly can out of everyone else on the rotation. Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris. Uh, Jeff Green's been a, a solid pickup. Bryn Forbes has been a nice inclusion um, as well. But you know, when 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 you call it nut crunching time comes, then it's just too much. I think we're going to be relying on the MVP candidate Nikola Jokic, who, who's you know, it's, it's hard to write a guy like that off. He's just been so brilliant once again this season. But you know, across seven games in a you know, potentially a, a tough first or second round matchup, then yeah, it's probably just a little bit too much for me. Offensive rating eight, defensive rating eleven. So they're they're not far, and net rating a tenth. So they're they're right in there. Like they're, they're they're ranking almost top ten in all those categories. But yeah, I, I just think they need another offensive spark. Probably Jamal Murray has to be there uh, when the whips are cracking for me for them to be a serious consideration. So until I get a timeline on him saying, yep, he's going to play the last six games of the season and then into the playoffs, um, I'll just hold the statement. It's probably wise to hold that statement, but I'm going to buy it. I, I, I'm I'm the optimist here, Caddy. I, I I totally agree with you. There's no way they're, they're going to be a threat without Murray and Porter Jr. back in the fold. But but if they can get those guys back now, you know, similar to what I just said about Clay Thompson, you're not going to expect that Jamal Murray's going to come out and be what we've seen in the past of Jamal Murray, where he's just gone absolutely ape droppings in the playoffs. So we we can't expect that. But again, similar to Thompson, if we can get a seventy to eighty percent. Jamal Murray and, and similar to Michael Porter Jr. Well, I, I think I think they could really ruffle some feathers in in the Western Conference. I think last year before Jamal Murray went down, I think they were going to be the team to beat 
in in the Western Conference. We, we saw as soon as they added they added Aaron Gordon, it probably clicked probably better than what most people would have thought, and they were looking really really dangerous. and And they didn't even have Will Barton up and going uh, last season until late in the playoffs, or or maybe not even at all in the playoffs from memory. So, you know, Jokic, as you mentioned, is just playing out of this world. He's right there for the MVP discussions. Barton's been terrific. You add two really good scorers, like a Murray and a Porter Jr. And I, of course, you brought up your man, Bryn Forbes, your man crush on him just continues to uh, <laughs> to go on and on. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Green, they'd be a really deep roster if they can get these two up and going. And, and the West is just a little bit sort of scrambled at the moment, I think. You know, we, we've spoken about Golden State, you know, j- just uh, before this, and there's some question marks about them with, with Draymond Green's health and, you know, what level Thompson can get to. Phoenix Suns have the question mark over Chris Paul, and they've obviously they've dropped their last two two games uh, without him. So, you know, it, it's it's illustrated how important he is. He is. So if, if they can get these two guys going and, and Jokic will obviously continue to play at the level he has been right throughout the season, I think they're going to be very hard to beat uh, come playoff time. So fingers crossed because that was just that was just the worst possible outcome last year to lose Murray when they did, wiped him out effectively for potentially two seasons, obviously last season and then this season if he doesn't get up and going. So it would be, be a real shame if this season gets wiped out as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping that both Murray and Porter Jr. can get back out on the court and we can see a very healthy Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. We'll move on to the next one, Caddy, and this one I'm interested to see what you make of this one. I'm going to say Zion Williamson will not play another game for the New Orleans Pelicans. Do you buy, sell, or do you want to hold that statement? No, I'll sell that one. I think he'll be back. Um, I don't think it'll be this year, but he's under contract next year. He, he still needs to come out and play that that year where he he is still under his rookie deal, and then he it's not until the following year where basically, well, I think it's in this off season he can he, he can extend. Even if he doesn't extend, you know, he really needs to play that that next year out because I don't see if he doesn't take the extension that um, which would be a, an absolute first for. Him a first-round draft pick to not extend his rookie deal and give up guaranteed money that's of really significant consequence. I think that's the first and foremost thing. But really, another team would probably want to see him out on the floor as well first, even if he was to potentially force a tr- or look to force a trade out of there and basically say to New Orleans, look, I'm not going to sign the extension. I'm going to you know, look to play the qualifying offer, which is still a year and a half away, that season of 23-24. Yeah. Um, so for another team to, if he is to say, hey, I'm not, not even going to come back and play at all unless you trade me, which I think would be uh, a really, really risky move for him, I think he needs to come back out on the floor here with the Pelicans um, and, and play some basketball. Look, they, they've shown their hand in the, the, at the trade period, bringing in a guy like CJ McCollum that they're, you know, rightly or wrongly looking to continue to build positively around Zion Williamson and, and I think really it's in his best interest to get back out on the floor as well. So let's let's assume all things being equal that whatever foot injury that he has can recover if it's not before the end of this season, which I think would be great if it was because you know the uh, New Orleans Pelicans now find themselves in that tenth playing spot uh, with a really favourable matchup as it would stand right now. I think with um, you know they could play Minnesota or someone like that in that play in tournament and potentially get themselves into a play in uh, a, a playoff spot. And wouldn't it be great to see Zion Williamson in that environment? But even if it's not this year, then really next year he does need to have to come back and 
and and play that year of his contract out before he's even you know extension eligible anyway. So I think he'll play again for the Pelicans. I think he needs to play again for the Pelicans, um, and whether or not that's his inevitable end game, um, I think before he you know starts looking any f- further forward than that, he needs to come out and put that jersey back on and and, and play again to give everyone else some confidence that a you're in shape, b you've your foot's healed and see that you're still as dynamic and powerful as what we saw when you had such a magnificent season last year. Oh, he had an outstanding season. He was, yeah, the, the basketball he was playing once they put the ball in his hands and he became almost a point guard was was out of this world. So they could be potentially a very dangerous team if, if Zion does manage to get himself back out, out on the court before the end of the season. As you said, you know, since CJ's come on board, he's played seven games. He's averaging... 28 points, shooting 43% from, from three. So he, he's fitted in really well. Brandon Ingram's playing really well. Um, Valentunas has had a really good season. But I, I totally agree with everything you just said, that you know it's, it's certainly within Zion's best, best interest to get back out on the court ASAP, whether that's this season or next season, and sort of show his wares. But let's look at this from a, from a Pelican's perspective. Is there any sort of reason for them to look at at the fact that if he let's say he doesn't play this season, he he's clearly uh, let let's say he's well, I reckon he's checked out. The, the, the reports from CJ McCollum that he hadn't even heard from Zion, you know, at that All Star weekend, and then you know Zion obviously got in contact with him after that sort of blew up. But I mean, as he, he's sort of the face of the franchise, I suppose when you trade for a borderline All Star player, you would like to think that you would flick him a text or something at least and say, you know, good to have you on board. I can't wait to play with you, but. It was radio silence from from Zion Williamson, and and the interesting thing, I'm sure you heard this as well, Caddy. When when the Pelicans sent out their their brochure or whatever it is to the, to their existing members to sign on for next year, they were sort of advertising the fact, you know, jo- join join the Pelicans next season. We've got CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram, and conspicuous in in the absence was Zion Williamson. Like, how the hell do you not have your former number one pick? on the pamphlet trying to promote next year's games. I mean, there, there's something going on here that that, that that smells a bit fishy. So, as I said, let's look at this from a Pelicans perspective. Is it better for them to try and see what they can get from Zion? I, I, I think he's checked out. He's he's looking – I think he's looking to move on. So maybe it's within their best interest to, to see what they can get in the offseason, whether it be some younger players or some draft picks or – or you know some sort of mid tier players because they, they... Well, what 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 would the fee be? I mean, we, we've never seen a guy in his as I said a number one pick at this level. Yeah. In the middle of his rookie deal, effectively be traded. Poor Zingas um, didn't. I was about to say he'd, yeah. he'd be the one that you'd be looking at, and he was almost guaranteed the extension at, yep. the, at, at the Dallas end. So whoever's going to be trading for him, and I'm sure Zion. There'd have, have to be have a wink-wink with him that he's going to get no, that deal, yeah. More than a wink-wink to, to ensure that he's going to get paid the extension um, that he's due. But again, like if you're going to invest in that, then and 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 Pazingas is a great example. Like coming off an ACL, and that was when the trade was done. Where where's the the certainty around performance when you come back and the athleticism and the, yeah. all all the things you want to you want to see? And and Zion's such a unique um, athlete, one that we've really never seen before, I don't think. Um, you know, I'd want to see him back playing before I was investing multiple look, I don't know what the price would be, it'd have to be multiple first round. Yeah. Yeah. Young young star, you know, whatever and then salaries to match. I d I don't know what it would have to be, but it'd be significant um it'd have to be significant trade uh, to bring him in and then you'd want to have some 
some surety, I suppose, around his fitness. Well, you, you'd think, like, th- there's the rumours about how he wants to play yeah, at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks. So you, you reckon the Knicks are going to roll the dice. I, I don't know if they've got anything. I'm just, just looking at their roster now. You, as you said, it's going to be mainly based around uh, around trade assets, you'd imagine, and, you know, whether it's, you know, some of their young players like a Quigley and a Grimes and a Toppen and, and these guys sort of thrown in with, with a mid-tier player. Like, the, the Pelicans are basically... You'd be hanging the phone up. You'd be going, you've got to give us... You've got to give us four first round draft picks and, and picks. Like, if you're going to trade him in contract, yeah. Um, you know, the price has got to be really, really steep. And I think. You're getting nothing out of him now, though, are you? I mean. And well, not at the moment, but no. you've got him under contract effectively for next season and potentially the season after if he does decide to, to not extend. He still would, be, you know, really need to take that qualifying offer, um, which is still at $17 million, a significant piece. That's two two more seasons. So New Orleans have really got the card in their hand because they can dictate around him being under contract and playing. There's still significant time for him um, in his rookie deal to to come and, and play for them before he, you know, if he is trying to force his way out, he's got to be patient. And the best way for him to, uh, you know, I think uh, to effectively force his way out is to to play incredible basketball once again, average twenty five points and. 14 rebounds or whatever it is, and then you know really drive his stock up so that they you know he's got a, a greater pool of, of teams that may want to trade for him, and you know then New Orleans might engage in that. But until until that happens, then he's under contract unless he's going to just sit. Well, it's not a huge disaster for them because the salary's no not that significant at this stage, so they can wear that and still add around the fringes. Yeah, look, I I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, there just seems to be something going on. Here, uh, there's too many sort of things happening and 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 reports coming out that, that something's going to happen in the off season. I, I'm I'm sure of that. Whether it's as drastic as them looking to move on, and 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 that's what it'd be. It'd be a huge haul of draft picks, and whether they keep those draft picks or sort of move them on in another deal, because that they've played pretty much 500 balls since you know since that disastrous start, and now with CJ on board, if if you can add some sort of decent pieces around. Around CJ and 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 you know the rest of the roster, you know Ingram and and Valanciunas and and Herb Jones has been a revelation as a defender as a rookie. So if you can add some quality NBA players around them, you know maybe maybe they can. They're not going to win title, obviously, but uh, but maybe they can push up. And and there's this huge risk about Zion. Yes, he might get back out on the court, but what have we seen out of Zion so far that makes you believe that he's going to be able to have a, a sustainable, successful career? Like, he's obviously an exceptional player when he gets out on the court, but, I mean, the way he runs, his body shape, he doesn't seem to take his diet or anything all that super seriously. And we've we, we've heard, you know, JJ Reddick come out, who's, who, you know, is a straight talker, but he, he's basically trashed. Uh, Zion's commitment levels over the last week or so, so that, that that would be my only pause from for concern from a New Orleans perspective. That you know we're we've obviously invested heavily in him as a number one pick. Yes, he's certainly shown that he's an outstanding player when he's on the court, but you know th- there's huge huge question marks about his ability to to stay healthy and and contribute. So maybe while his stocks well, maybe it's going to be higher if he gets back out on the court next year. But while he's still got some currency, maybe you look to, to cash those chips in. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah, fa- absolutely fascinating watch and, and one that we haven't really had because I think most players, you know, early draft picks at that level have at least, you know, stayed with that team. And, you know, you're, you're talking 
you know, Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard, you know, LeBron. That, that's the sort of level of rookie that this guy was. That, that, you know, all those guys stayed for, you know, their six, seven years, at least at that time. Kevin Durant's another one. Um, so, yeah, it'd be a big, big shift in terms of, um, you know, that, that rookie level superstar player that um, would be forcing out. And, you know, look, I don't think he'll be coming back this season. Um, I don't have any confidence in that, which is which is a real shame. But I really think for for both parties to, to get what they want out of it, he needs to come back and play next year. And and again, he's he's under contract. He's on a rookie contract that hasn't been a extended, um, which can happen in the off season, I believe. Or if not, he can he can play out to a qualifying offer the following year. And that again, absolutely unprecedented and fraught with danger. The fact that you're giving up guaranteed, you know, what twenty to thirty million dollars a year over five. Yeah. Four years and then figure it out eventually. To and not- he has to hit a certain amount of games too to get that that high quali- that high qualifying offer. As as like if he, if he just denies the extension and just takes his qualifying offer, unless he hits a certain amount of games, it's going to be very low. I don't know what that game number is, but yeah, he, you'd think he's going to struggle to hit it. Well, I mean the last one, and I suppose the the only similar player that we had come out that had real queries about them and, and still got the extension albeit with, um, you know, some real parameters around it with Joe Allen B. Yeah, so maybe um, it's a deal was, similar to that. Yeah, yeah. with some and, and huge caveats yeah. on it. And surely the, the people around Zion, uh, you know, and I'm sure they know a hell of a lot more than even the team do around his, his fitness and his motivation and all these type of things that they really need to be quite honest about, you know, <laughs> where things are sitting because I think all that New Orleans would be offering at this point is, is something that's quite, you know, restrictive around you know games played. Um, oh, it would have to be, otherwise you could get a yeah. You'd have to get you'd end up with another Michael Porter Junior scenario, which we we saw them sign uh, the the Nuggets sign him to a huge contract in the off season, and then you know he he didn't he's hardly got through the season, and you know it's a back injury, and so yeah, they would absolutely have to do that. It would be negligible for them not to do it, wouldn't it? Uh, and also for any other team to to take that on, if, if the Pelicans, all right, said so okay, take your ch- chances. Elsewhere, like what would New York be be saying to their supporters if they sign into a max five year extension at whatever the number is, and then we we find out that he's got a Greg Oden type debilitating long term injury that we're never going to see him again. Like yeah. it, it, it crippled their franchise for the next five years. Oh, hundred percent. He, he's he's a very very interesting watch, not only for the for the rest of the season, but also what happens in the off season because of all these scenarios that could play out. Whether yeah, whether they sign into extension, whether he denies it, whether they sort of test the market and see what they could get for him, and yeah, it, it's going to be very very interesting to see how this whole saga plays out. Because I reckon he's been pretty lucky. This year, Zion Williamson, that we've had so much drama with the Ben Simmons saga, and you know what's gone on with Kyrie Irving over in Brooklyn as well with his vaccination status. That it's he's sort of been hiding off in the corner, and obviously, you know, New Orleans isn't a huge market, but he, he's been very, very lucky that he, that there's been a few uh, distractions that have sort of taken away from the fact that that he hasn't taken the court and he hasn't been with the team, and he's not. Uh, from you know, from the out from the outside, looks like he's not sort of communicating all that strongly with him. So, yes, very interesting to see what happens with with him in the off season. So we'll call it there, Caddy. As I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts 
as yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. That would be much appreciated. If you have any uh, like-minded friends, Caddy, that are into their basketball as well that you can spread via word of mouth, that would be much appreciated. We also have the Facebook page up and going, so if you jump on and like that page, we post all the episodes there. And until next week, we'll talk to you then.